0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover
1: purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com.
0: Well, we're continuing in our series, What's So Amazing About Grace, as we march towards Easter. And, but I want to ask you a question as we get going here. I want you to think back for a moment and, and I want you to remember, here's, here's the question. Do you remember that time when that one person, that one moment reached out to you in your time of need? We all have experienced it. We all have had someone that stepped up in our life. Maybe it was an unlikely person. Maybe it was the person that we thought. But that moment where they met a need, a desperation, there was a moment where we needed something and they helped provide it. Maybe you were struggling at work. It was a new job and you're struggling to just, and you're about to pull your hair out. It is rough. And your coworker who you thought hated you leaned over and just said, hey, how can I help you? And that one question just began to change your relationship with that person. Maybe you're a mom or a dad in here and you had a rough morning with the kids and you're trying to get them changed and ready for church and it is a nightmare, right? You had to go through hell in order to come to heaven right now. And you're about to pull your hair out and your husband and your spouse is maybe out of the house. They're working out, they're doing, going hunting, whatever it is, and you just start getting upset with them. Until you realize that you go over to the coffee maker and he's left you a little note that says, I love you and I'm proud of you. You needed that one moment where someone reached out. Maybe you had someone, a loved one pass away recently. And no one really knew how you felt, but yet that one friend reached out to you and just said, I'm here for you, whatever you need and met you in that desire, in that need. It's almost, as Solomon said in Proverbs 15, it says, what a joy it is to find just the right word for just the right occasion. Isn't that true? That a word can begin to change everything, that reaching out can almost change everything, the way you look, the way you act, the way you see that that you're going through in your desperation. And I want to tell you today, listen to me. God is always reaching out even when you don't think he is. But how many know this morning, God doesn't talk audibly to me. And if he talks audibly to you, I want to meet you. I love that. But you need to get back on your meds too. But still, (laughs) he doesn't talk audibly to me. And you know what he usually does? In order to reach out to me, he usually uses other broken people just like me. That he reaches out through other broken people just like us. Think about church. Think about how you came to church, not just this church, but any church, really your whole religious background growing up is that most of the time, most of you got here, not because you stumbled in and found it. You got here because someone invited you here. Someone reached out to you and said, hey, you might think it's really cool. You might might come here. You can come hear some rock music and they say it's praise and worship. Come on over, you know. You can come here and you begin reaching out. Do you remember that person maybe that invited you to church? Or watch this. Maybe you remember that person that actually shared Jesus with you for the first time. I remember my first encounter. I grew up in a Catholic church my whole life and it was great. Gave me a great background. But then God switched me over to a Baptist background. Now, I'll tell you this right now. When you go from Catholic to Baptist, you think everything's wrong, okay? You don't even know what's right and up and down, left and right. And so we started going, I'll never forget the first time I lived in Georgia with my mom. I was 13 years old. I walked into this old Baptist church that only held about 50 people and there was about 40 in there. And we walked into this church and there was this big country preacher that got up named Pastor Ricky. Holy twangness. I mean, he had a twang in his voice. And he said, hi, I'm Pastor Ricky. And I'll never forget, 13 years old. I've been in church my whole life. And he said this, I'm Pastor Ricky. And I want to introduce you to Jesus. And for the first time in my life, maybe God just opened up my eyes and opened up my ears and my heart to receive the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It was a life-changing moment for me because it was as if, man, God wants to use the ordinary to introduce the extraordinary. That this country bumpkin preacher, Pastor Ricky, who I'll never forget, introduced me to an amazing man named Jesus. You wanna know what's so amazing about grace this morning? Is grace is always reaching out. It's always reaching out. And Jesus, listen to me, Jesus has given me eternal life. How crazy is that? To think about the fact that because I stepped into a church at 13 years old, I have eternity on the inside of me. It's amazing to sit here and to stand here and to believe what God is doing. And if we truly believe that, Watch this, listen to me. If we truly believe that we have eternal life, then why is it so difficult for me at times to share that with other people? Am I the only one sometimes? It's difficult to share my faith with other people. It's difficult for us to reach out. And let me say this right now. We don't have a sharing problem, do we? We definitely don't have a sharing problem. Some of y'all love to share what you eat on Instagram. I don't care what you eat, okay? I don't care how your gumbo looks. I, don't, I love you, but I don't right? I know y'all, we don't have a sharing problem because I know some of y'all come up with your kids. You go, look at my baby. Look at my grandbaby. I'm like, oh, if I say, say God bless their soul, that's because they're not very cute. I'm just letting you know right now. God bless their soul. God bless their soul. Totally kidding. All of you have amazing, cute babies. Okay. But think about it. We, we don't have a sharing problem. We love to share. Matter of fact, we love to share when we got a deal, don't we? We love to share when we get deals. We love deals. Like you ask somebody, hey, there's some awesome shoes. You're like, Nordstrom Rack, $30. You can go there today. You know? or, or, or you you know you, you get a nice sweater. You're like, Marshalls, on sale, 10 you know, Why do we love sharing the value of things? I don't know. But when we know we got a deal and we know it was good, we want to share it, don't we? Now, let me ask you a question. How many know we got the deal of a century when Jesus paid it all on the cross and he gave us eternal life in him and through him. It is the deal of a lifetime. And so what causes us to tense up at times about our faith when we're around other people? Can can I give you a few reasons why I think this is the case? I, I think it's because we think that I'm messed up. There's no way I can help anyone. That I'm too far gone, I'm broken. They don't wanna hear from someone like me. My marriage is messed up, my kids are messed up, whatever it is, and you just think there's no way I can help anyone. Anyway, another one is we worry too much about what people think of us, amen? We worry that somebody else is gonna look at us like, oh, there's the Jesus freaks over there, right? And you're like, that's not me, that's not me. Like, think about it for a moment. You, you just go, well, what if they don't like me? Some of you are afraid that you don't, you need to know more. You're going, if I knew more, Pastor Chris, about this Bible, I would be debating everyone, right? Once I know a lot more, then I'll go and share my faith. Then I'll start a small group. Then I'll know, let me give you a really good insight. You'll never know everything there needs to know about this Bible. Because knowledge does not give you power. Jesus gives you power. So it's not about knowledge. If we go, oh no, I don't know enough. So I can't debate. If you're debating with someone, Jesus never debated. He gave truth. Because he's never trying to prove somebody wrong. He's always trying to love them. So it's knowledge. Maybe we think we don't know if some of you, and listen, I get it. Some of you have been so hurt and rejected. Maybe in your past maybe with a, a teacher figure or a coach figure in your life, you've been rejected so many times, you are so terrified to get the answer no. You're so terrified to get the answer. Can you, and you're wondering, what if they say no? What if I share my faith with them? What if I just share Jesus with them and they say no? Now, let me encourage you this morning, and please get this the greatest thing ever communicated is a changed life. The greatest message you can ever communicate is a changed life, not a perfect and mature life, but a life that is growing towards God and God is moving in that life. Because I believe, I still believe that we as the body of Christ have the greatest message and hope for this world. I believe it, that in its darkest hour, we get to be the brightest light. That if I believe that I carry eternity in me, why would I not wanna share that with my brother or sister? That if I believe at the end of the day, when I close my eyes and take my last breath, it's either heaven or hell. If I believe that, why would I not do everything to help my neighbor next to me? Be there right alongside me as we walk into those pearly gates. Why would we not want to do that and just share that message? And so this morning, I want to help us in today's message. I want us to see how God's grace reaches out to us and it doesn't just reach out to us. Watch this. It can begin to reach out through us. And in this Easter season, it is so crucial because more people now are looking for hope than ever before, ever before. And we have the answer, but I want us to see God's grace reaching out this morning. So we're going to go to John chapter four and I want to read a story to you. We're going to read it together in John chapter four. Now it's the longest conversation that Jesus has with one person in the Bible. So how many know if you watch movies a lot, you know, if there's a long conversation in the middle of, of a story, you know, that conversation is probably a turning point. It's pretty important. Well, Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are all books of the Bible, the New Testament, that are basically biographies of Jesus' life, we get to read and enter into a conversation and encounter with one woman and the Savior of the world. And this conversation is so huge in a way that it's not just any woman, but it's a woman of probably of ill reputation. It's a woman who thinks that the conversation that they're about to have is gonna be about drinking water when really it's about so much more. And how through one life, one changed person, one invitation, listen to this, an entire city is impacted forever. So I want us to ask ourselves this question. I'm gonna give you three points as we go along, but I wanna ask ourselves this question. It's this, it's what happens when grace reaches out? What happens when grace reaches out? Now, we're gonna start in verse three of John chapter four, but let me set it up for you. Jesus is doing Jesus things, healing, loving, casting out demons. He's doing what he does as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And he's going about, he's hanging out with his crew of 12, those disciples, and he's walking along. And so he's in a traveling moment right now. Watch this. He's not even at the place he's supposed to be. He's traveling through, but there's a conversation that takes place that is crucial for us to get this morning. And here's where we start in John chapter 4, verse 3. It says this. So then he, that's Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. We're gonna go there in a second. Uh, Verse five. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey of traveling, sat down by the well and it was about noon. Now, Jacob's well, if you know anything about the Old Testament, is pretty famous. And Jacob's well is, is really famous because this is where Jacob really had his encounter with God. All his livestock were there. I mean, his sons, everybody else was out of this well. So it was a well known well. And listen to me. Wells were were known in the first century. A well is where you went. Listen to me. I know it sounds weird. A well is where you went to find a woman. Like we all know that, okay? You're going, a woman? It was the match.com of, of the first century. It was the Christian Mingle Single.com, right? It was all that thing. You would go to a well, and there would usually be women there doing what they do, doing duties, taking any water out. And, and that was where you went to encounter a woman, to find a wife, oftentimes, men, would go, men are going, I wish there was more wells around here in Lafayette. Okay, so you could go there, but it was where women usually gathered, and Jesus knew this. So here's where we enter in, verse seven. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into town to buy food. They went to buy a happy meal. Jesus sat down to drink some water, okay? Here's what happens, verse 10. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God. Oh, excuse me. The Samaritan woman said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman answered, you have nothing to draw the water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water from? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Let me give you the first point. The first thing that happens when grace reaches out, write this down, grace makes outsiders become insiders. Grace makes outsiders become insiders. Let me give you some context to this, these texts. This is huge. We think it's just a conversation between Jesus and this woman, and we're going, no big deal. Guys talking to girls, okay, it's a conversation. But you have to remember back then, this was a huge deal. Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Samaritans did not associate with Jews. It was a huge, it was huge racism back then. Huge racism because the Jewish people 700 years ago got invaded by the Assyrians. The Assyrians entered married and they had babies together and they were called Samaritans and they were cut off from the Jewish people. So the Jewish people looked at the Samaritans as mixed and half breeds that they did not get the blessing of Abraham, their, their father. So think about it from this perspective that Jews and Samaritans never mixed. It just did not happen. Matter of fact, Jews wouldn't even go through that country or that town to get to another place. They would go all the way around. Yet in verse four, listen to this, verse four, it said that Jesus had to go to that town. It said he had to travel to Samaria, not just through Samaria. And I believe there is a divine appointment that was happening with this one woman who desperately needed to have a conversation and encounter with Jesus. Listen, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe this morning there is a divine appointment and encounter that God needs you for someone else? And we've been avoiding it, going around it, but there's a divine appointment, a divine a relationship that God wants you not to just go through, but to go to in order to speak his truth. Because you just didn't go to that part of the town. My mom, she's an amazing mom. She was a teacher for 40 years, still is. And she taught in Atlanta Public Schools where she was the only white woman there. And they loved Ms. Reese. Ms. Reese, you're awesome. Yeah, they loved my mom. But they would tell my mom, hey, Ms. Reese, don't drive down this road. Don't do that again, right? You're not from our our neck of the woods. Do not do that again. Because if you do, you're gonna get in trouble. And I don't want you to get hurt. It was like understood, you don't go down that road unless you're from there. You don't go into that town unless you're from there. And as Jews, you knew right away, you don't go into Samaria. You just don't associate with them. It is not there. So on top of that, not only does Jesus go to Samaria, he sits down at a well and begins to talk with a woman. Now, rabbis were never supposed to talk to women. So now we have a Jew speaking to a Samaritan, not just a Samaritan, but a woman. And he was speaking to a woman, and then he asked her for a drink. Do you know we don't we don't understand if we're going, yeah, here, take a cup. Yeah. But that would have made Jesus so unclean that people would have never looked at Jesus the same way again. But yet grace reaches out to us. Watch this. And it meets us right where we're at, doesn't it? Because here was Jesus, this woman who is at the well by herself. And it was huge. Now, you might be going, well, why was this woman at the well? What, What does that mean that she was at the well in the middle of the day? Why was she the only woman there? Well, women's and back then, and even third world countries, their, their duty is to have water and to bring it back to their family. So it was a social event. It's like you girls when you go to the bathroom. We all know you go to the bathroom in flocks. Don't know why, but you do. Is there something special in there? I don't know, maybe. But all I know is you go there in flocks and you go, come on, girls, let's go. And you go to the restroom. It was the same way. It was a social event that they would go to the well. Come on, girls, let's go to the well. you know, And they would go get water at the well with one another. And it was a social event. They would travel in packs and herds for safety. And it was just what they did. And you would go early, early in the day because you know, in the Middle East, when the sun comes up at noon, it is hot. So watch this we enter into a story where it is noon, the Bible says. Jesus sits down at a well where women should not be there at that time, yet this Samaritan woman walks up. Think about this for a moment. She's walking up at a time where she knew no one was gonna be there. She didn't have to pass a group of women. She'd, how much shame do you have to have in your life to avoid that kind of thing? I think it's so interesting. People will go to great lengths to avoid being reminded of their shame that they carry. People will go to great lengths to go around to avoid. And this woman had the walk of shame of walking out in the heat of the day to go get water, thinking, I don't wanna pass anybody. I don't wanna talk to anybody. She was carrying such shame and guilt and she came to a place where she thought she would be alone and she met a man named Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt that kind of shame before? Have you ever felt that kind of shame where you did everything to avoid a conversation? For some of you, you haven't talked to your parents in 20 years. Because you're shameful, you avoided that conversation. Some of you have been going around a friend. Some of you have not. One, you're doing whatever it takes to take a route less traveled, so you didn't have to confront it. She was an outsider. She avoided people. And what I love about Jesus is He didn't look at her as an outsider. He brought her, and her, she became an insider where a rabbi, a man, shouldn't talk to her. He invited her into a conversation and he bridged the gap that only Jesus is willing to bridge. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before or felt like an outsider. Now, at my age now, I, I never really feel like an outsider because I just don't care at times. The only time that I really feel like an outsider, can I just get really honest with you, is when I'm around teenagers. It's the only time I feel like an outsider. Because they're using language I don't know. Like, man, that was so sus. I'm like, what is sus? I'm like, sus, sustenance? subsidence, subsidence. Yeah, no, I'm like, nothing. Like, that was so drip. I'm like, what's dripping? Do I need to fix a leak somewhere? Right, like, the, I am like so, I feel like such an outsider. I'm like, yeah, cool, guys. Cool, 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 cool. I'm like the old cool guy. I'm, I'm trying to be cool, but I'm not really Cool. Right? I felt like such an outsider when I'm around teenagers. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's so funny when they when they just like, they they kind of lean over and they're like, hey, that means like, yeah, this is what it means. This is, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. I knew that, I knew that, right? You When you get brought in, you really feel like an insider and then you feel really cool sometimes, right? And you feel like, man, I'm an outsider looking in and when someone pulls you in, man, it makes you feel special, doesn't it? It It makes you feel valued. Makes you feel like you're not such an outcast sitting on the outside. Like you have something shame to wear where you're just wondering, who am I and what am I doing? What I love about Jesus is Jesus always meets us where we are at. Even when we're carrying shame, he gets to that lowest level. Even when we're carrying guilt, he gets that lowest. Even when we can't strip off addictions, he meets us right there in the middle of our mess. Even when we have hurts, habits, and hangups, he meets us at the well. He meets us at the place that we least, that he least desires to be, but he loves us so much that he's willing to go to, to bridge that gap. Let me encourage you today. Jesus will meet you today at the well of disgrace because he is offering living water to make us new. He's offering us something and he offered her something. She thought it was water, but he was offering way more than water. Because listen to this. When you let Jesus make you new, everything changes. Everything changes. And so we enter back into the story starting in verse 13 because it didn't stop there. It keeps going. And Jesus answered her. She's going, what? Well, I, I, I need, you don't have a cup to get, well, how are you gonna get this water? And here's what Jesus says. And Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them the spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, and the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Listen, look at me. Look at me. Look, pause for a second. She is so desperate to get rid of her shame and grace to have to go to that well. She is going. Please give me the water so I don't have to keep coming back and being shameful. So I don't have to keep walking this walk of shame and carrying this guilt all the way there. So Jesus said, "Okay, you want the water?" Verse sixteen. He told her, "Go and call your husband and come back." Now Jesus starts making it real personal. And she said this, these are the shortest words she said to Jesus in the entire conversation. I have no husband. I have no husband. How many know when you answer short answers, you're trying to avoid something? She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is that you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. He is not the father, okay? What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet and our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. You ever notice when Jesus gets personal, she turns it to religion, When Jesus started talking about her life, started talking about her behavior, she just goes, hey, well, you Jews worship here. You just do this. Many times when you encounter people and you get personal as a pastor, I've noticed this. They just start going, well, they go to that church. I go to this church. It's amazing what we'll do to avoid those personal things that God is willing us, wanting us to talk through. So then he comes to this. This is interesting. Jesus answers her. He says, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. Verse 24, and God is the spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain all this to us. I love her answer because her answer is going, you don't know what you're talking about. We'll just let the Messiah deal with all of this, okay? And here's what he says. Jesus just dropped the mic right here in verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he, boom, drop mic. Now, point number two is this. What happens when grace reaches out? Grace allows us to abandon the dry wells in our lives and lets living water flow out of us. Look at me. That woman did not have a water problem and she did not have a man problem. She had a source problem. She did not have a water problem or a man problem or a relationship problem. She had a source problem. Now, everybody in here, of course, drinks water. Some of you drink bottled water. Other straight tap water people love it. Whatever you decide, we welcome all people here, okay? And I I don't know if you know the difference. There's a difference between purified water and spring water. I've done my research, okay? Now, the difference isn't the fact that they're water. it's They're both water. It's where they come from. I'm not sure if you know this. When you read purified water, it could be toilet water that's purified. I'm just letting you know right now. But when it says spring water, it means it came from a different source. So watch this. The woman kept going back to wells that were dry that weren't filling her up because. It's the wrong source. She kept going back to the husbands and going, if I just had the next husband, then the next husband, then the next husband. And listen to me, five husbands couldn't quench that thirst. Five husbands couldn't quench that thirst. Her new boyfriend who she lives with couldn't quench the thirst. Religion which she spouted off to Jesus, could not quench her thirst. Her own ethnicity and race could not meet her thirst. Friends, family, loved one could not meet her thirst. She kept going back to dry wells, to water and men, and it never quenched her thirst. What dry well do you keep going back to that's never gonna quench your thirst? Can I get vulnerable? I have a well that I always go back to. I've been doing it since I was three years old. It's the well of performance. Done it my whole life. If you give a dog a treat when he sits, trust me, he'll sit a lot. And at a very young age, I learned that if I performed and looked good, then people would think I was good. And so I began going to that well of performance and drinking it all up. The problem about that well is that it always runs dry. You can't ever get enough praise. You could get one million praises and you get one, 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 even word of discouragement and it brings down those millions of praises. Why? Because I'm performing. And so we see here that this woman keeps going back to wells that are dry. And the problem is, those wells that are dry, when you fill up with it, it's also what comes out of you. I know for me, when I was performing, it was it's all of it. It brought anxiety, depression. It brought carrying a weight I wasn't meant to carry, caring too much about what other people thought of me. My question to you is what, what's your well? Maybe it's looks, the way you look, the way you dress. Maybe it's your money. You just just need more money or or it's your kids. Mom, you're putting way too much identity in how you raise raise those kids. Let me just, you will parent dysfunction into them. You can't get away from that. And if you are their source, then they'll never learn that Jesus needs to be their only source that will never run dry. And so some of you are putting that in your kids. Your well is maybe a nicer car or to be more religious or to have another wife or to husband. And when grace reaches out, it exposes our wrong source that will never satisfy us. But watch this. When Jesus satisfies your thirst, he will begin to flow out of you. He will begin to flow out of you. And it does something to you that you can't do on your own. And this is where we get to point three and we're gonna close right here this morning. Because this, what happens when grace reaches out? Number three, grace always has a response because changed people change people. Grace always has a response because changed people cannot help but change people. In this story, this woman is just encountered By a mic dropping Messiah who just goes, I'm Jesus. Boom. (laughs) Love me or hate me. I'm Jesus. Now she has a choice to make. You can't just like, you don't respond. There's no neutral response. Like cool and walk away. It's not a neutral response. She had two responses and two choices. The first one is she can either go. You're crazy. Somebody put this man back on his meds. What is wrong with him? He thinks he's the Christ. No way. He thinks he's the Messiah. No way. Or there's the other response where he is the Messiah and something has to change. Here's what she does. In verse 28, after Jesus just dropped the mic, then leaving her water jar. Pause for a second. What did she go to the well for? What did she go to the well for? Water. She went to the well for water. The purpose of her whole journey and shame walk out to that well was to get water. But when she went to go get water, she encountered a savior who met a thirst that could not be quenched by any other well. And so she was willing to drop what she had there and run somewhere else because Jesus gave her another purpose. So many of us are carrying too many things because we think we gave Jesus our life, but nothing really changed. And we don't want to drop the water jar because we're afraid that, We won't know where to get any other water. But Jesus gave this woman a new purpose because grace always has a response. So she left her water jar and the woman went back to the town and she said to the people, verse 29 Come see. Y'all didn't know she was a Cajun woman, but she did. Come see. Come see. She left her purpose. She left what she was desiring. She abandoned dry wells and she ran back to a town. And she said, come see. Come, 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 come. She said, come. Come see a man. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Verse 30, and they came out of the town and made their way towards Jesus. The people that she was trying to avoid because of her shame and guilt are the same people she ran back to, to proclaim Jesus boldly in front of them. Grace has a response And she ran back to these people. Can you imagine? Maybe she had been with some of the men. (laughs) And she always avoided them. But this time she walked up to him. And she said, come see a man. It's not like a man that I've met before. It's not a man that I've been with. It's not a man that I'm with now. It's a man. He is a savior of the world. Come see a man. Come see a man. Come, Come see a man. Look at me. This is the cry of our church to reach your family, your loved ones, this city to say, come see a man, not come see O.S.C., come see a man named Jesus. Because he will wreck your life and he will change it forever. If you come see this man. This woman ran into town. Unashamed. Bold, proclaiming. The Messiah's out there. Messiah's out there. The Messiah's out there. Come see a man. Because when you realize you've, what you've been given, you'll want to give it to others. When you realize that grace has reached out to you, grace will reach out through you. And she gave it to others. Now, here's what happened because what happened was extraordinary. We read these stories sometimes in the Bible and we're going, oh, okay, that's cool, but I live in the 21st century where we have iPhones. Yeah, it's like, it was much harder then, trust me. And here's how one person changed everything. We jump down to verse 39 where the disciples come back. They come back out to Jesus with happy meals and they're going, "Oh, why, why are you talking to a woman? Aren't you hungry? And Jesus is like, I'm not hungry. Look up. There's people running out here. They're coming out. Look up. And here's what happens. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's Testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Many believed because of that one woman's testimony. That one testimony that ran back and said, Come see a man. He told me everything I ever did. Verse 40 So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged Jesus to stay with him, and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more people became believers. Listen, you might come to church because of somebody else's word, but you're going to get changed because of Jesus's words. He will change. Verse 42. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know this man really is the savior of the world. The woman who was a mess had a message. The woman who was a mess had a message. The disciples who had the message just came back with a meal. (laughs) Think about it for a moment. They had walked with Jesus for three years, the disciples had. And this one woman in one instance of grace runs back to a town and gathers hundreds, if not thousands to Jesus, and they are born again. They are saved. The disciples came out of the city with sandwiches, but the woman came out with the entire city. Came out with the entire city. Because when grace reaches out to us, listen to me. Grace will reach out through us. It will reach out through us. And I want you to think about one conversation that Jesus had with this one woman, this one invitation. She ran out and just said, you gotta come see this. This one invitation by this one broken, hurting, shameful, guilt-ridden person went in and it changed an entire city of people who thought they'll never get close to God because they've been excommunicated from his will, from his covenant. And now a people who thought they were on the outside now are closer to God than they've ever been before because of this one woman. Listen to me, it's the power of the invite. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, where you were invited and you met a man named Jesus here or somewhere else. Maybe it was an invite to a camp. Maybe it was an invite to a worship night. But you met a man named Jesus, and it changed your life forever. Many of you have that story. Jamil has that story. Jamil's friend invited him, and because of that one invite, it changed Jamil's life forever. I want you to turn your tense screens and hear about Jamil's story.
1: My name's Jamil, and I've been coming to OSC for about a year now. My life before I got invited to OSC, I was pretty much confused. I didn't have no direction in my life. I really didn't understand where I was going and I really was looking for a purpose. And, you know, one of the biggest questions that I always asked myself was, man, how am I gonna provide for my son at the end of the day? And so I did start a business and the business wasn't successful. And so I kind of fell into a slump along with not having a purpose, not knowing my identity. So I really felt like at that moment that I really hit rock bottom in my life. So I was invited by a friend and we worked together. And man, one day we was just hanging out and he was just like, man, just come to church on Sunday. I think you'll like it. And I was just like, okay, well, man, you know, let's, let's see how it goes. And man, you know, I walked through the doors. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was friendly, which was great. I kept coming back because Pastor Jacob asked that one question. Have you received, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And after every service that I came, I always avoided saying the prayer of salvation. It just seemed like everything in my life was just going down. Business was failing. It wasn't successful. I quit my job, man. I need wisdom. And so uh, I reached out to the guy who, who invited me to church and he recommended that I spoke with Pastor Chris and uh, I called him up and we had a real good conversation, a real good talk. He asked me that one question that I had just avoided for so many months. Have you fully received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I told him no. And immediately in that moment, it's like the Holy Spirit was just in the room like I literally just broke down crying me and him prayed that prayer of salvation. And when I say that was the best decision that I've ever made in my life, when I say that, it felt like the world was just lifted up off of my shoulders, like I felt so light. After I made that one decision to follow Jesus, I can definitely say the blessings just started pouring in from left and right. I didn't have a job at the time and Like, literally after that, within two weeks, I had, like, two job offers from two different companies. And so I went from, I guess you could say, viewing life selfishly to now having this this selfless attitude. And, man, you know, I'm just willing to share whatever I have with anyone who's in need. The way that one invite has completely changed my life today is I went from a person who was lost and didn't know where they was at in the world, honestly, to now I'm leading a freedom group. And I have other men who are looking at me and up to me. I can't stop thanking God enough. That one invite, it changed my life so much, man. I really thank God as much as I can, as much as I can think about it. Because that showed me that, man, God is with you no matter what you're going through. I was walking this walk by myself for 30 years and in 30 years, it got me nowhere. And the minute I started trusting God, man, that was the minute my life changed forever.
0: One invite, one invite changed everything in Jamil's life. Think, just his friend just said, come see. Come see a man. And not only has Jamil's life changed forever, but now grace is flowing through him and out to others. But not only that, as you see him hold his son, now, watch this, generations will forever be changed because of that one decision, because of that one invite. The power of an invitation goes way beyond just, hey, will you come with me? Hey, you want to come to Easter? It goes beyond way, because God is working even when we don't see him. On your way out, you're going to have the opportunity to grab just one of our Easter invite cards. You can take this for you, or you can take it for somebody else. But I truly believe this card might be for somebody else that you just give an invitation. Go, I would love for you to come to me. Maybe it's a barista that's having a tough day and just go, hey, just wanna let you know that my church is having this. If you wanna come, we would love to have you there. We're not interested to get this room packed out. Our expectation is that we can just say, come see. Come see a man who walked out of the tomb. Come see a man who is risen into heaven, and he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. Now, come see a man that will change your life. Jesus could have gone into that city and saved everybody, couldn't he? He could have walked into that city and just said, you don't know what you're doing. Let me do this. But instead, Jesus used a broken, fallen, faulty woman with an ill reputation to speak his message, to be his heraldor, to say, come, come see a man named Jesus. On Easter, we're gonna say, come see a man who's walked out of a tomb. He'll change your life. My encouragement to you, grab one on the way out. Our ushers will be in the back. It's an opportunity for you to begin to pray over the next two weeks to say, maybe it's my mom, my dad, my auntie, my uncle, whoever it is. Would you be enough courage, enough faith to just say, come see a man? Because grace always reaches out. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe you're in here this morning, you find yourself in a hole and you don't, you don't know what to do. Maybe you find yourself like that woman at the well and so much shame, guilt. You think there is no way out. My encouragement to you this morning is that grace always reaches out. You don't have to stay in that hole. You may think your sin has disqualified you from being used by God, but it won't. Because your mess isn't too messy for Jesus. Come see a man. Come see a man named Jesus. And just like Jamil made that one decision to say yes to a relationship with Jesus to be born again, I want to give you that same opportunity this morning. I'm not asking if you want to join our church. I'm not asking if you're a Protestant or Catholic or if you've been baptized or christened. Those are all great things. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you must be born again. It begins with a decision to say, I'm done with myself. I want to begin a walk with Jesus. Maybe you've been in church your entire life and you've never been given that opportunity. I want to give it to you this morning. Come see a man named Jesus. Trust that the encounter with the risen Savior is going to change your life and commit to walking with Him the best that you can and watch the miraculous power of Jesus begin to invade your heart. You might be asking, Pastor Chris, how do I do that? Well, it's as simple as ABC. A, we just admit we're sinners in need of a Savior. Be believed that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cover our past, present, and future sins. And see, we confess him as Lord and as Savior of our entire lives. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. And we're going to say a prayer that prayer that Jamil prayed. The prayer doesn't save you, it's your faith in Jesus that saves you. So today on the count of three, if you're going, Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer. You're just gonna lift your hand and wave it at me on the count of three. One, it's not an accident. You're in here this morning. Two, Jesus has calling you home today. Three. Three. Why don't you raise your hand now, wave it at me, wave it high. I see you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Raise it high 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I see you. You can put your hands down if you raised it once. You don't ever have to raise it again, but these last 10 seconds are for those people that say, I should have raised my hand. Come see a man. Not come see a church, not come see me, not come see a pastor or a priest. Come see the Savior named Jesus. If that's you, last 10 seconds are for you. I want you to raise your hand now, if that's you. Anyone else? Awesome, thank you, I see you, awesome. Well, church, with all those hands that were raised this morning, we're gonna say this prayer together as a family. Repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe on the cross, You took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. In heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.